0: for, 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 all things, for, 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 for all things KC, KC. for everything Chiefs, it's always, it's always game day in Kansas City. Now, here's your host,
1: Kayla Kinnearum and Cody Tapp.
2: Hey there, everybody. Welcome to It's Always Game Day in Kansas City on this Wednesday. Thank you for joining us. And as always, don't forget to make sure you subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Fellas, it's great to be back with you. Did I miss anything Sunday?
0: Uh, I mean, we were pretty happy because, you know, they had just put out their second best or probably based on the defense, best offensive performance of the season. So it was a good mood time, Kayla. Last time you were on here, your Tigers had just lost. Oh my gosh. In historic fashion, that was super sad. And then the Chiefs had lost to the Colts. So the Tigers still lost coming into this episode. But (laughs) but, Kayla, this time, but this time they lost to the number one team in the country. So it's okay.
2: We almost beat correction. We almost beat the number one team in the country.
0: Kayla, actually Cody's Cody's doing,
1: doing Sunday night of this service. He's burying the lead here. Uh, Jody Fortson caught
0: another touchdown pass. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's really what I took that. away. really made next week. Honestly, he's been in a better mood for it for the first two days of our working together.
1: It is. There's a weird correlation when Jody Fortson catches a touchdown pass the Chiefs are 2-0 and this year. And not a lot of people are talking about that this week. So should we just start right there? Just <laughs> a
0: great place to start. Is,
1: <laughs> talk saying. about that
0: correlation. Every time Jody Fortson not just, just has a catch. He didn't have to get a touchdown probably. They might be undefeated when he has a catch, Nick. He has four touchdowns Kay. in his career, and I don't remember those coming in any losses. All right, well, now I have to look that up.
1: Uh, Jody <laughs> Fortson, four career touchdowns. Chiefs are 3-1. Oh, three and one when Jody Fortson. A, I mean, you extrapolate that out for an entire season and you're going to the playoffs, so.
0: I mean, maybe us. maybe a Super Bowl team. Three and one every four games during those 16-game seasons. 12 and four, that, it, that might get I'm you saying. the one seed most years. I'm just saying. So that's how we're doing, Kayla. It feels good. Jody Fortson scoring touchdowns. The Chiefs are scoring on the number one defense in the NFL. I'd say uh, about as good as we could have been on Sunday. So sorry you missed.
2: Things are looking up. I am too. Yes, at least the Chiefs redeem themselves. Mizzou still has some work to do. Anyway, we will move on. Again, I am Kayla Canarum. Didn't say that at the top. Joining me as my co-host, Cody Tapp, and our producer, Nick Schwartz. All right, guys, let's dive into things. And we're going to start something new on Wednesdays. Every Wednesday, we are going to do a little vibe check. We're one month in into the season. So midweek vibe check. What's the vibe? How are we doing?
0: Well, I would say don't bother buying any T-shirt for the Chiefs that isn't a Super Bowl one. Is the current midweek vibe check. <laughs> They have a top five defense in the NFL, and they just put up 41 on the number one scoring defense in the NFL. So if you're asking me how I feel right now, the vibe is fantastic. Both sides of the ball are great. Their current fill-in kicker made all of his kicks, so the special teams aren't a disaster anymore, and the defense continues to do pretty good things, both in the rushing and passing and the like, the only efficient in which they're a little lower in the league is points per game, And that's only because they have gotten up a huge amount of points on two different NFC opponents. So like maybe next Wednesday, I'll feel a little bit different, but I feel like this Wednesday's vibe check is very simple. Waste no money on apparel for the chiefs because you're going to need it come February.
2: I like that vibe check Cody. Good one.
0: My vibe
1: check is somewhat similar. It's a little more micro than that one. It's that. Andy Reid's bag's so big that Santa Claus is going to have to stop in Kansas City before delivering <laughs> presents on Christmas. They pulled out all the stops. They had circled that game against Tampa Bay, and I don't know if you want to do revisionist history and say that's why they overlooked the Colts or the offense looked stale, but we saw everything in Tampa. I mean, you had three tight ends, three tight ends scored a touchdown, not just Travis Kelsey and Jody Fortson. Noah Gray scored a touchdown by going under center for the quarterback sneak. If Blake Bell was healthy, I'm convinced he would have also scored a touchdown in that (laughs) one. Isaiah Pacheco got going. You saw all the, the trickery. Everybody was utilized. And I don't know if it's a depth concern or if that was just the game, not concern, but a depth wanting to utilize all the different guys you have offensively, but the bag is big. We knew that, but it's nice to be reminded of it every now and then that nobody has a bigger bag of tricks than Andy Reid. What's
2: your vibe, Kayla? My vibe. Thank you for asking is uh, I'm going to steal it from Chris Collinsworth who on the call of that Mahomes to Clyde TD pass was hilarious. I went back and watched it like 20 times He starts laughing and then he's like, stop it. So my vibe check is (laughs) stop it. Stop it. You can't, you can't stop the chiefs, but that's what I say when I watch them play is stop it. Like who else is doing this? Nobody. Um, again, yes, I didn't get to watch the game in its entirety. Sunday night, I was working at Kings game, but we had the game on in our dressing room. Someone I was walking around with may have had it on, on their phone. So I was definitely taking peeks when I could. Um, But yeah, just a complete team win, um, firing on all cylinders. That one felt good. I know it wasn't really technically a revenge game because it's been a few years, but it felt like a revenge. Well, Patrick Mahomes turned
1: Chris Collinsworth
0: into a little (laughs) schoolgirl. He did. Um, Did anybody (laughs) else see? There's like a whole Twitter highlight reel. Someone put him in. He's just going, (laughs) laughing and going, no, stop. Come on. And it's just because... It's not just, just that Clyde play. He got one to Juju Smith Schuster when someone was wrapped around his waist and he was making other impossible throws the entire game. And I don't know. It just when you like when you say the vibe is hey, like come on, that actually feels very right. Collinsworth probably had it right. We he's a very professional dude, and he and even he was just like Tony Romoing it, right? <laughs> Where he's just like so in awe of what's going on he forgets to do commentary. It's just like, no, no, come on, guys. Stop it. Yeah, and that's, I don't know what it is, but that, with him in particular, it really makes you laugh because he knows how good of a professional journalist he's been forever. And it's not that he can't have those moments, but Mahomes was literally sending people into that because of his performance in that game. I know you didn't have a chance to be on our Sunday episode with us to talk a little bit about it, but I mean- I felt better, and Nick and I both felt better than after the Cardinals game because that was a real defense he did it against. Not the Cardinals sleepwalking into week one. That was the number one defense in the NFL.
2: That it was the team. That is the team we all know and love. And that's a team we know that is capable of going out there and winning every game.
0: There's a good verse vibe check. This would have been a really depressing segment to debut, by the way, <laughs> after the Colts game. Good idea, Nick. If you had said, hey, let's every Wednesday start doing a vibe check, after it had been like, it had just been like that. Michael Scott if I want to kill myself right after the Colts <laughs> lost, <laughs> it, been, it would have been depressing. It wouldn't have been nearly as much fun as uh, the vibe check following a <laughs> 41 point win over the Buccaneers.
1: But that's just it. Like uh, Sunday's game had every single reminder of why one off game against the Colts shouldn't have you rethinking your position on this team because you could go across the board whether it was specifically Mahomes making those types of plays that nobody else on the planet would even attempt or if it's Travis Kelsey who was pretty hard on himself after the Colts game because he dropped that pass in the end zone I mean how many great plays did he make or just being open all of the time You wondered if the other weapons were good enough because the ground game wasn't very good against the Colts. Well, now you had not just one, but two running backs getting heavily involved and being highly productive against a good defense. You had all these different ways. Sky Moore played more than he ever had. And and the limited touches he got, he made something of them. And then obviously the defense with their best performance of the year. So it really was across the board everything that you needed to remind yourself who this team is and where they belong in the NFL hierarchy.
2: Well, Nick, I'm so glad you brought up Kelsey because I think we need to dive into this a little more for as much as we shouldn't take Mahomes for granted. We also shouldn't take what Kelsey does for this team for granted. I mean, from his leadership that we touched on at the beginning of the season, how he's just kind of matured into this team leader to what he does on the field time after time. He's, I mean, He's the whole, whole package.
0: I honestly, so one, he made that, like, he made like a game ceiling catch, Nick, on the one, like, it was almost like making up for dropping that touchdown. He's like flipped around and Mahomes makes that pass and he kind of catches it leaning back in that moment. But he, he has grown more as a leader than pretty much any chief during this last 10 years. And it's honestly, it's not particularly close. I once sat in a post-game locker room and I had asked him the question about a call that the ref made and he went out of his way to say he wasn't good enough to work at Foot Locker and he's making jokes and people thought at times he let the team down or he had drops in big moments and people accused him of that being kind of who he was, but that is not it. He was fantastic in that game, but just as a bigger point of the conversation, it's this is why I say he'll never age. Like when we, you might joke in the preseason or whatever, like, come on, Cody, stopping an ass. Or I say it'd be five years from now before he has any drop-off. I'm dead serious. This isn't one of those like, oh, I'm being hot takey to make a point on sports radio. I do not think Travis Kelsey will experience a drop-off in his performance for at least five years because what he does well ages. He's not the fastest guy on the field. He doesn't run away from everybody. When he's moving, sometimes it looks like it's in slow motion compared to other other offensive players and yet he is the best tight end on the field he leads the NFL in catches touchdowns and yards at the tight end position he's right near the top of those statistical categories for all receivers in the NFL
1: right just I was just about to say that Cody Um, looking at it right now he is tied for eighth in the NFL in receptions he is 11th in receiving yards he is tied for third in receiving touchdowns.
0: He's a top 10 wide receiver all the time. Like not tight end, wide receiver. Mark Andrews had a great start to the season. People certainly love him. He is just as good of those. He's just as good as any of those elite wide receivers. And I think the, the part that stands out to me, Nick is like, as much as we, you know, we spent what the first week, Kayla, I mean, you were talking about like Tyreek Hill, like, yeah, we wouldn't mind him back. That'd be cool. Uh, I wasn't saying that. No, but I mean, you know, like from an on-field perspective, maybe not as uh, true don't <laughs> yeah, kayla in with you yep yeah, kayla's right <laughs> um i at least know what a non tyreek kill offense looks like looks like you know, in a dream scenario it looks like how it looks on sunday in a bad scenario it looks like that colts game i don't think i even want to begin to imagine what a travis kelsey offense looks like because that sounds like a horrid nightmare he's 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 the second most important player to their offense by a mile well and
1: it, this is super easy to say now that tyreek's gone Right. I don't know if I would have said this when he was still on the team, but if you would have made me choose between one or the other. What we've seen through four games, and it's funny to say this because Tyreek Hill, by the way, is currently leading the NFL in receiving yards. But Kelsey is. One of, if not the biggest mismatches in the NFL. And as you mentioned, like he's not the fastest, he's not the most athletic. What he is, is maybe the best route runner in the NFL. Like, I get it. Yeah. He's not yeah. moving as quick. He's not beating guys off the line the way that some of those, you know, elite wide receivers, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill. But the at position, knowing he's going up again, he's going who might not be big enough or linebackers who might not be fast enough. He always knows what his advantage is over the guy that's trying to defend him. And some of the stuff, that like you watch the replays, right? You watch the slow motion replays of him and you just go, Wait, how did he get so open? It's the awareness to know what this guy's thinking I'm going to do. And then I'm going to do like, he'll stop on a, on a, on a, on a route that the first, the second play of the game, right. When he scores a touchdown on Sunday night, it looks like he's turning around for a little curl route. Yeah. Safety comes up. He immediately zigs and starts turning it into a slant route, wide open into the end zone touchdown. He always steps ahead. Guy going up against him, which is why it's like a constant reminder of the unicorn that you have at that position because there really is nobody like him.
0: You know what's amazing, Kayla, is that he, I mean, we, we talk about Patrick Mahomes' contract. He He's probably the, the most underpaid player in the NFL. He only makes $15 million a year and top-end wide receivers now. Top 10 wide receivers make 30. He's making half. Half what as productive people in the NFL make.
2: And he doesn't seem to care.
0: No, he actually was pretty open about it. He said that uh, he cared, like he's one of the few guys, like we always ask for uh, teams. That's a really good point. Cause we always ask guys like, Hey, why don't you take a pay cut? Be a team player. <laughs> we don't, we don't give Kelsey nearly enough credit for that. Mm-hmm. He could, if he were on the open market, if Travis Kelsey said, I'm out of here and was on the open market, he'd make a whole hell of a lot more than $15 million a year. He takes a pay cut for him, Kayla. Like one way or the other, I know tight end contracts haven't soared, but that's only because that level of tight end, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, has never hit the open market. And if they did, don't you think that that number would jump? Because I do.
1: He, He knows the situation he's in. He's talked about it countless times. He is fully aware of the luxury that it is to play with Patrick Mahomes and for Andy Reid. He knows that. Now, he also, I think he's also well aware that he's one of the best tight ends in the NFL, but he know he knows he has it good. And I think he is someone who genuinely thinks about legacy. Do you? He's do someone, you,
0: yeah.
2: It's a no, shame not everyone ask, feels that way.
0: Kay, Kay, well, I mean, look, every athlete's difference is not going to be that way. But Kayla, I mean, I guess, and Nick, I'm just kind of, do you think his brother has anything to do with that? His brother's a hero in Philly. He's never left. He's had chances and he never left. And he's just a couple of years older. It's his older brother. I feel like the two of them have gotten into a room and they're like, we're just gonna be heroes in these cities. We're gonna stay here forever, and we're gonna be some of the most well-known players in these cities. They're both from they're both from Ohio. Small, you know, like normal size, Midwesty feeling towns in Ohio. He's in Philly, which is like the little brother East Coast City, right? It's not a small city, but it's not New York. It's not those. And he's a hero there. And Mahomes is his hero in Kansas City. I feel like somehow the fact that both of them have never had to leave their city is why they do it together in a way.
2: Maybe it's just that Midwest loyalty.
1: I will, uh, I'll push back only for for one specific reason. Let's imagine the Chicago Bears drafted Patrick Mahomes at second overall. And the Chiefs ended up with Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback. I'm not sure how loyal Travis Kelsey would be to the city and the organization under those circumstances.
2: True. Easy to be loyal when when Pat's the QB.
0: In fairness, I mean, did he... I mean, Alex Smith is good, obviously. Um, I mean, there were times when Travis wasn't playing... I mean, I guess the loyalty is after this contract, so that's fair. But dude, his brother in Philly, he went through all kinds of different quarterbacks, right?
2: They've had a lot over the years, yes.
1: Yeah. By the way, have you guys caught any of Travis Kelsey's new podcast with his brother? It's It's
0: outstanding. fantastic. It's actually kind of upsetting, if we're being honest, because I went to school and I work really hard and I try to like be good (laughs) at this job. And I'm like, you know, fuck it, man. They're better than me. This is stupid. Don't be better at this than (laughs) me. You're better at football than me. Don't also make a better podcast. That's bullshit. I've spent a long time (laughs) trying to be good at this thing. Why? Why do you have to just be good immediately? Can it take you a little while or get a few like Tyreek's podcast stinks. Kelsey's are just immediately great. It had to be said I a theory.
1: Kayla. I have a theory. It's that talented people are talented. It's why yeah. Will Smith can do music and act. It's why Justin Timberlake can do everything. Talented people, you know, it's why Patrick Mahomes is good at basketball too.
2: Yeah. And commercials. That's, close.
0: that's, that's my close personal friend, Nick, Justin Timberlake, because we had one interaction one time. Close personal friend.
1: Will you tell Kayla the story?
2: Do we need to hear? I, I story time. Uh, I need to so know I, we're more we're about this. I've told
0: the story on the air a few times. Um, it, it's well, This simple. is a new audience, Cody. I was in Tahoe for the American Century Championship. I had spent a long evening of playing craps with a couple of, you know, because that's the celebrity golf tournament. So we're playing craps, and there's almost like you're definitively the least famous person. So I was playing craps with Trent Green and Andrew Jones, <sighs> the former. Braves outfielder. For a few hours, Humble I breath. drank way too much and stumbled back to the hotel room very late and had a very early wake-up call for work. So, there's a tent with food and I was hurting, Kayla. I was quite hungover. So I was trying to, like, shovel food. And so drunk to the point that you know the spoon's got to be closer to the plate because I can't possibly lift the spoon the full, normal distance to your mouth. So I, I'm I'm hurt. It hurts. I'm hungover. I'm really trying to eat these eggs to just live my life. And I'm sitting next to a guy who I've never seen before. Don't know. Great. It turns out that guy is Justin Timberlake's handler in some way. Runs errands, does stuff. He, you know, he's do everything guy. Justin comes over to talk to him, ask him about some shoes. And in the middle of a conversation, he's talking to his guys like, hey, man, great. This is going to Ooh, you look like shit. And I said, I feel like shit. And then we <laughs> joked about hangover cures for a few minutes. And then he bounced.
2: Justin said that to you?
0: Yeah. And look, in fairness, he was right. I didn't, <laughs> I did not look good and I was hung over and I didn't feel good. So <laughs> as much as I could be critical of Justin in that moment, all he was doing was speaking the truth.
1: Follow-up question. That's uh, first off, since it's Justin Timberlake, I mean, he could basically walk around his entire life and tell everyone they look like shit because in comparison, you know, it's like, Hey, you're not me. So, yeah. but I, I have to know, did Justin Timberlake share like a magical elixir for curing hangovers?
0: No, so he uh, he didn't, it wasn't a magical elixir. I had told him that typically the things I had gone to was like greasy food and that thing. He was a big Pedialyte guy, which by the way is a pro move anyway. Huh. Yeah. Big Pedialyte guy. That's, I mean, that, well, electrolytes, right? You got to feel good. So he went to that. He said he also liked like bready, starchy foods, but mostly I think his first key takeaway was
2: that. Should that be the title of this podcast? Justin Timberlake recommends Pedialyte to cure hangovers. <laughs>
0: It's always, so. it's always game day in Kansas city with Kayla Kinnearum, Nick Schwart and a guy, Justin Timberlake once said, looks like shit.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh. Of all things for Justin to say to you.
0: Yeah. I mean, could have said literally if anything. that was my and... one interaction. <laughs> if that was it, Kayla, your
2: that's one all time... you get from Justin in your lifetime. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah.
0: That's a tough, that's a tough thing to live up. I you should we'll wear it as a badge of honor. Thing. Again, he wasn't wrong. It would be so different. Look, he could have said that, like, by comparison, that might be how I always look, if it's just me and him standing next to each other. But in that particular moment, I was very hungover, and it was more than fair.
2: Fair. All right, we're going to turn our attention back to the Chiefs. Although I did love this Justin combo.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
2: Uh, speaking of being blessed, obviously I touched on it a little at the top, that crazy Mahomes pass to Clyde Sunday night. Um, we got to talk about, I know this is going around right now, but the best plays we've seen from Mahomes, Mount Rushmore, if you will. What do you guys have at the top? Like what what's the top plays. I mean does and does this one go in your top 5 even?
0: Nick had asked me after the podcast and Sunny's like, "Where does this rank?" And because we hadn't really talked about it, my initial reaction is like, "Oh, you know, is it top 5?" And your initial reaction has got to be like, "Yes, it has to be, doesn't it?" What a what a what an insane play. Even Patrick Mahomes in, in an interview on our station at 610 had said, "Oh, you know, in the moment I thought it was, you know, like it was a play." He's like, "I went back and watched the play. It was, it was pretty cool." Like even <laughs> he was willing to admit then what he'd done was pretty cool. There's Tom a couple Brady. that I think
2: yeah, tweeted Bra- about watching that
0: on film. That's exactly it. The ones I'm for sure confident are above it. The touchdown run against Tennessee. That is an absolute all-time. That was the moment you knew that they were going to win the Super Bowl. It is one of the single best plays I've ever seen in an NFL game. That one is up there.
2: It gave the, us the greatest gif of all time.
0: Yeah. The left-handed pass against Denver, because Who the hell throws a pass left-handed? And that was in the fourth quarter to win them a game. So it's like the moment is still big. I mean, I know you can say Jet Chip Wasp, the throw itself isn't as impressive as the others he's made, but the the throw itself isn't as impressive as others he's made. But the moment obviously adds a lot to it. You know what's funny is, you know which ones I ding now a little bit are? The very first, like, no-look pass to Demarcus Robinson was like, I can't believe he did that. That used to be on his Pantheon. And now I'm like, I don't know, man. I think I've seen, like, 10 no-look passes. I you know, <laughs> They're all pretty cool, I guess. But, <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm like, numb to it somehow as a result of that. I think the Clyde was just outside. If you're going to make me, like, actually rank them, I think it's more like five or six.
1: I think – okay, so what are the non-negotiables? The Tennessee run mm-hmm. yes. has to be on there.
0: I think the left-handed pass. It's a divisional opponent. It was a primetime game to win a football game on on a fourth down. I think this one's
1: better. I think this one's better than the (laughs) left-handed pass. Okay. So Jet Chip Wasp is, in like, it's not even in the top five of the most how the hell did you pull that off?
0: No, but it's the first thing they show if he's going into Canton. Yes.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I agree. So I'm not leaving it off. I'm just saying, like, in terms of degree of difficulty, it's not up there. So you have to put it on there. This one is on there. If you're talking about degree of difficulty, how the F did you do that? It's on the list. If you're talking about highlight reel, going into Canton, these are the top plays of his career. It's maybe fifth or sixth. I am going to – I'm gonna make a statement here. And I don't know how you guys feel. Hit us. The incompletion in the Super Bowl God, against Tampa Bay. Now. You know what? Just throw it on there. Just throw the, it where it on he was there like, like
2: horizontal to the ground. You don't
1: you know what? When you make the highlight reel, you don't have to show the end of the play. Just show the slow mo of him being completely horizontal, letting that ball go. Because even though it was a completion, I still would argue. It's better than 90% of NFL quarterbacks'
0: best completions.
2: It's my Twitter background on my header. Is it really? It has been for two years, yeah.
0: Seth Kaiser and I, he works over at The Athletic. We have a long text chain between the two of us because three years ago, we started the greatest throws that you'll never know because they were incompletions. Mahomes legitimately has like 20 throws. You're like, holy, like, what the hell? He made that throw? It'd be the tightest window while he's going down legs falling apart on him, hits DeMarcus Robinson in the back of the end zone in a dot, and he dropped it. So you don't remember it, Nick. It's just the two of us just having our own little secret party about all the amazing throws he's made that will never get any credit. That one, because it's in the Super Bowl, people will remember. He dotted in between the eyes. Honestly, we should be actively mad every day for him dropping that pass. (laughs) Because even though they lost that game, I should get to watch that play and enjoy that it was completed.
1: What about the San Francisco game first year he was a starter? I would say Did you mention that one because that one low stakes mm-hmm. early in his career I think it was the third third game of his first season as a starter. Yeah. And he had he, that this was coming off I think what was it? He had 9 touchdowns in the first two weeks?
0: Yeah. He had Six just touchdown come off the, game in the three.
1: Yeah 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 yeah. So this game like was not important. There was no stakes whatsoever against the Niners. They were, it was a bad Niners team, if I remember correctly.
0: And that game was kind of ugly, so it didn't feel big, I guess, if that makes sense. It evades
1: the sack, running to his left, does a complete 180, comes back to his right, and just absolutely rips it. A laser beam to the back of the end zone to hit Chris Conley. That was the first play, and this is why that one sticks with me, because it was the first play, even though he was coming off those two games where I said, He's one of one. This guy is not just a product of a system. It is not just a a hot start to his career. Nobody else in the NFL uh, makes that
0: throw.
2: He's different.
0: I don't know if this is when it was coined. I was in the press box for that game. And the the late Therese Paler audibly laughed. It was a guffaw in the entire, it was just like, everyone's like, Ooh. and is belly laughing. And if you knew him, he called him Baba Yaga because he was just like, when you, like, that's, I think, when, like, the mystique really grew. When you're like, oh, no. Because, like, if you're any other team in the NFL, you're like, well, we're in big trouble. Because the anytime someone asks you, because, like, anybody outside of Kansas City, they'll ask you, hey, when was the moment you knew Mahomes was great? That's the throw. That's the one. Because they were in a tight game. Because it, was, it wasn't it was a good game, Nick, but it was a tight game. Like, they, they needed that throw in order to win that game. And he did something remarkable. Because... I want to I wanna pretend and tell you that it was when I watched him because, like, the first time I remember being like, oh, wow, this guy might be really good. Or, wow, what a throw he made, even though we don't know what he is, was that preseason game when he threw that ball, like, 100, 100 yards to Atlanta to hit Tyreek. And I was like, good God. I was sitting in the hospital with my kid. Like, my kid had just been born and, like, they're just asleep. You're just watching the game. And he made that throw. I was like, what is that? That's not normal. But it was the Conley <laughs> throw where you're like, oh no they got it he's got nine touchdowns in the first three two games and now that so yeah i think they might have found the right quarterback that's why it that's why it always sticks out nick like when you're making it's like in a weird way like if you're if you're setting it up like the point of matt rushmore anymore is people just you could just say top four but look at it from like an actual matt rushmore perspective as in they all have something like of some historical importance the reason why they're up there one's the first precedent One does the Emancipation Proclamation right. They each have an important moment of history. (laughs) The Conley throw is an important moment in Patrick Mahomes' history because it is the first moment you knew. That's why it stands out to me.
2: The dog agrees. Amen. (laughs) Amen. You're here. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and I I do think honorable mention, as we said, Wasp for sure. Not that it was like something crazy, just the moment moment how big of a scale that was and and to come up with that and just execute it perfectly. And another one for me is that do it calls last year in the divisional game. Yeah. Was it anything fancy? No, but it was just knowing what to do in seconds, changing the play and then seeing it work out. It he's just he's so special. All right, well it has to be asked. Does Mahomes already have the best highlight reel in NFL history, which is crazy to even say. But does he?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, who, what's if it, uh, if it's any player, it's easier for skill position players to kind of have those. If it's quarterback, it's him or Michael Vick. That's oh. it. Those are the only two people will entertain Michael running quarterbacks have a natural ability to like make more of them because they're going to make like seven guys miss or have 70 yard touchdown runs. Malms doesn't have those like, but if you combine making tack, making people miss tackles and that it's him. Like, there's other guys who are stationary quarterbacks or more stationary than, you know, than a guy like Vic. Like, Ben Roethlisberger's got a lot, or Eli Manning, right? Because he gets the... But that's more like Tyree, but he's avoiding him. Like, there's always things, but Mahomes has like 10 of them. So if it's not like a guy like Vic, doesn't it kind of have to be Mahomes? I feel like by the end, it's definitively going to be him, but it might be him now.
1: The whole time you were talking there I was just going through all the great quarterbacks of the past like 10 to 15 years and I'm I'm thinking of a lot of Tom Brady 15-yard passes to Wes Welker
0: and like cool
1: and Peyton Manning out routes to Marvin Harrison so I'm sure we're disrespecting someone ask me again in 10 years about Lamar Jackson but in terms of quarterbacks yeah I mean there's a lot of great wide receivers you could mention there's a lot of great running backs
0: you could mention
1: but quarterbacks
0: no that's why he's one of one yeah because it'd be like for wide receivers it's Randy Moss for running backs it's probably Barry Sanders right I mean those are the ones Mm -hmm. we think of when we're thinking of the other positions right yeah for tight ends it's probably true but
1: that's the point but that's the point of, of all those guys that you mentioned it's that they did stuff that nobody else was doing and that's why Mahomes you can argue about who's the greatest who's the most talented but In terms of highlight reels, in terms of the jaw-dropping plays that make you say how, it's him and Michael Vick.
2: Mic drop. Agree. Boom. Boom. All right. Well, speaking of great Brett Veach finds, we're already seeing a lot of these rookies from this draft have an impact. I mean, you can't say enough about Brett Veach either. We've seen big plays from Watson, Karloftis, Pacheco. The list goes on. What stands out to you guys the most from this rookie class?
0: First, Kayla, I think you should officially put in a request for Brett Feech. You guys are close personal friends.
2: I will. I will, Cody. Let's
0: let's get Brett Feech on the show. Let's start there because I want to compliment him to his face. What Brett Feech has done the last two years in the NFL draft is borderline incredible. Jalen Watson, Karloftis, Pacheco, Sky Moore, Chanel, McDuffie, Cook, those all have contributed to this year's team. Last year, they had five contributors from the draft. This is not a normal hit rate. Um, we say that about Mahomes or other guys. This has been the whole podcast. It's not normal what Kelsey's doing. It's not normal what Mahomes is doing. It sure as hell isn't normal the current hit rate for Brad Feach. The only, and I do mean only, and it would be a small complaint you could have, is he's not finding a bunch of stars yet at wide receiver. But I don't know, man. Tripp McDuffie plays a valuable position, and for the one game, he looked great. George Karloftis looks the part. And I think more importantly, we don't have to do this down year talk of let's not put Super Bowl, like, up with the Bills Super Bowl stuff on them for half a year because we're trying to figure out who they are. They're right back at the top. I have no less expectations than I did before, and that's because what Brett Beach did in the draft this year.
1: I think you you know you have different expectations for different players depending on where they were drafted. But like if we're just starting at the top, Trip McDuffie, George Coloptus, first round picks, you expect them to be two contract players. Right? Like we can talk about stardom. Yeah. I think that's always way too lofty. I don't care where you're drafting them, even if you're drafting in the top 10. The hope should just be that they can be a high quality starter for you for more than just their rookie contract. Correct. So the hope for me with McDuffie and Karloftis is that in four years, the Chiefs are like, okay, let's lock this guy up for another three or four because we want him to be a part of our long term future. Everybody else, I mean, second round, maybe to the same extent, but there's a little bit less pressure on it. What's been so impressive to me is that the guys maybe a little bit later on in the draft i mean jalen watson is as impressive as any of these guys simply because he is on the roster and he's playing and he's not getting exposed and he's one of
0: two seventh round picks who are playing a lot for the team. same thing
1: with pacheco now maybe i highlight watson a little bit more because of his position We've seen running backs who get passed over in the draft, have a little bit more success. Cornerback's a premium position. I mean, teams will spend top 10 picks on cornerbacks if they think that they're the goods. This guy's seventh-round pick. Those guys usually don't make the team. He's made the team. He's playing. And he looks like he belongs. As of right that now, he's is, starting. Yeah. And I, he got scored on by Mike Evans. Guess what? A lot of cornerbacks in the NFL get scored on by Mike Evans because he's Mike Evans. And he's a physical freak. So... I'm not digging him for that whatsoever. I don't know how long Jalen Watson will play for the Chiefs or what the, the future holds, but the immediate return on investment for this draft has been shockingly good. You know,
0: you know what it is? It's like, if he didn't get that pick right, Nick, um, who the hell would they be starting while McDuffie's heard? DeAndre Baker? Mike Hughes? These are the type of corners they've had in the previous years. Hell, DeAndre Baker was on this. He was on like the, the practice squad cut line going so it's probably him. I I don't know about you. I guess he let up a touchdown to Mike Evans. I don't think it would have gone better for DeAndre Baker. Feel like it would have gone significantly worse. He drafted so well, he could cover a a a, a first round draft pick injury immediately with a different rookie, not some veteran he stuck around who's okay and you're taking a chance on. He immediately moved to another guy. And look, you would have logically thought it was Joshua Williams. Under a normal draft, I would complain that Joshua Williams is not a part of this unit. But wouldn't that seem kind of uh, hollow if I said, you know, um, fourth round pick on Joshua Williams, guys. It'd be cool if, uh, if you got him involved and like, well, I mean, you know, he has gotten production out of Watson, Karloftis, Pacheco. Recently, Sky Moore, Cooks played a little bit more, McDuffie. I have to put to bed a little bit the idea that I I used to have complaints or worries about Brett Beach's drafting ability, and honestly, most of those concerns are gone now.
2: Question for you guys: Maybe this is a question we ask Brett when he comes on. Um, Sam Presti is my favorite in the NBA just because of what he does draft wise, and he just has this like genius way of I don't know finding the right the right picks. Do you think what Brett Beach does is that? Is that luck? Is it just having a knack for it? Is it just being really good at your job? Is it the whole Andy reconnection and how they're so in sync and on the same page? What is it about him and drafting stars? I
0: I think that he, um, I'll say this. I I think that he did the normal thing, Kayla, where it took him a couple of years to actually like get up, get ready. And there were a few drafts where you didn't really like it. Um, But I think he has a knack for finding late round talent. Um, borderline, like, I don't know if he's gift, but like borderline gifted at it because if you go back through all of his drafts, like get rid of the first one because that's, that is what it is. You're just not going to do that. Um, pretty much every draft. His first draft stinks. So I'm I'm going to eliminate it. Nick Allegretti started for them at guard. He was a seventh round pick in the Super Bowl. Rashad Fenton still starts for them. He was a sixth round pick. Michael Dana is a rotational defensive end in the fifth. Jerry Sneed is a starting corner in the fourth. Trey Smith is their starting guard in the sixth. Pacheco and Jalen Watson are playing a lot right now in the seventh. You can't tell me that that's an accident. That's a gift. He's good at it. He's better mm-hmm. at finding late round talent than other GMs.
1: Well, what I think it is more than anything else, when you get to the late rounds, they
0: haven't scouted all
1: these players the way that they scout the early round guys, right? When, when you're looking at Trent McDuffie and, and George Carloptis and Sky Moore, you're watching every single snap that they took in college. When you get to the late round, there is no way for any GM to know how this is going to translate. If you did, then you would have drafted him in the first or the second round. Yeah. I think when you look at guys like uh, Pacheco and and Jalen and Watson, since they're the two that we're highlighting here, you're just looking for tools. You're looking for this is what he does well. We know that there are Plenty of dings against them. That's why they're borderline undrafted players. But in the case of Pacheco, I think they saw this guy's really fast and he's really strong. In the case of Jalen Watson, they saw this guy is tall, long, rangy, and has a knack for making plays. Yeah, there's a lot of cons. There's There's a laundry list of reasons for all these guys as to why they may not make it in the NFL. But what the Chiefs do is identify the tools that they think fit their system. And then from there, you hope that the development process and the acclimation period for going from college to the NFL works. And in the case of those two guys, it's worked really, really well. I do want to say one thing, by the way, like George Karloftis, even though I said that you shouldn't expect guys to be stars, I'm convinced George Karloftis is going to be a star. If not a star, he is gonna be one of those guys that's just like like a Carlos Dunlap type who's routinely racking up eight or nine sacks, even though he doesn't have one yet. Uh it's coming because he is constantly in the backfield hounding quarterbacks.
0: Kayla, would you wear a Georgie Porgy Pudding Pie t shirt if Nick sent it to you? Do you wanna send Absolutely. do you wanna Do you have your phone, Nick? We're doing this on video. Do you can you shit yep. show her a picture of what
2: I saw Nick, it on did social you... the other night, I think. Did yeah. you put it on Twitter?
0: He probably did. He tried to put I it up did. on, we have a show t-shirt site that we sold some Bobby Wood Jr. shirts for and some other reasons. Nick tried to put it up and it was very quickly hit with the copyright infringement. They're onto him. <laughs> They're onto it. I will wear
2: any shirt you give me. I love a good t-shirt. Absolutely, I'll wear that. I have one of uh, Andy Reid dabbing.
0: Wow. Oh, Caleb, disappointing. You know what? I take it back. That might've been the most you missed on Sunday. What did you think of Andy Reid's commercial appearance?
2: His acting debut? I'm obsessed. Also, was that a play on Friends? That's a Friends episode where Ross writes on Rachel when she falls asleep when they're going to Vegas. It's I like my like two this, favorite things in one commercial.
0: I was going to say, I think this is the second Friends reference you have made since we started this podcast. It definitely is. i it surprised it's is. not
2: more. <laughs> <laughs> I think just, we found Taylor's
0: show. Honestly, <laughs> just Andy completely underplayed it. He was saying yesterday, he's like, "Oh, you know, you know, I'm not really good at those things." I'm like, "Shut up, you were the best <laughs> actor in that whole commercial. He was better than Mahomes. Mahomes been doing it for three years."
2: I'm gonna see. I'm gonna need to see more collaborations between those two, whether it be State Great. Farm or anything else.
0: Over under zero point five more commercials, Andy Reid accent. Over. I don't know, man. I don't know if he wants to do it. Hey, I think Andy likes football. Like
1: the door is open now. Like once the door is open, you can't just say he's never going to do it again. We, If I would have asked you a week ago, you'd say, Cody, you would have bet your life savings that Andy Reid would never do a commercial. Well, he just did one.
0: Yeah, it's probably true. I wasn't anticipating it. It was very confusing in the middle of the game that Andy was even in it because, I don't know, man, he just, he seems like the guy, like people are like, how long do you think Andy will coach for? Forever. Because I can't imagine Andy doing another job. He's not going to be a TV analyst. Like, Nick, I think you would – we'd even joke. To be like, you think Andy would ever just be a TV analyst? And I said it was more likely that he's the, the like, passing game coordinator for Toledo than he is an NFL analyst. Like, <laughs> I could see him coaching high school football before he decided to be a an analyst. I think Andy yeah. likes being a coach.
1: Well, guess what? You know who else we think only cares about football? Nick Saban. And then Athlak came with that bag – And now he's (laughs) high-fiving computer-animated geese on television.
0: Or is it a duck? Dude, and Andy's 10 times the entertainer of Nick Saban because Nick Saban stinks. He's boring. He's not funny. It's
2: a great point. Great point. All right, one last question for you guys as we quickly close out the show. Uh, Scoring is down league-wide. We've seen these top offenses running the ball or doing just like having a short passing game. For example, only five of Mahomes' 37 pass attempts against Tampa were 15-plus yards down the field. They also had the third-most rushing yards in a game since Mahomes took over as a starter. What's the reason behind this?
0: I think it's because everyone decided to run the Mahomes defense on everybody. You know that whole, like, cover two, we're just going to put everyone back, never blitz? Turns out they're going to do that for everyone. They're going to do that for Joe Burrow, who's struggling, Matt Stafford, who's struggling, and their offensive line stinks, so that doesn't help. They're, they... They decided to do it. They're doing it for Aaron Rodgers, who's struggling, to the Patriots. It doesn't matter your team. They're doing it to you, including Russell Wilson and others. Seven of the top 10 scoring offenses are not what you would call big-named quarterback teams. And just, like, I could go year for year if you wanted to. It doesn't really matter. But just so you know, most of the top-scoring offenses have great quarterback situations or really good quarterback situations. Last year, Dallas, Tampa Bay, Buffalo, Kansas City, the Chargers and the Rams were the top six. Those sound like the teams that you would assume have some of the best quarterback and offensive mind coaching situations. This year, the teams in the top 10 include Detroit, Philadelphia, who people did not see coming, but are an excellent running team, Jacksonville, Cleveland, Atlanta, and Vegas. You know what they do? Run. They run the ball really well. I think the rest of the league hasn't caught up, and I think the reason Andy's having success is he had to deal with it all year. I think that's very simply put. I think running's going to matter more this year than it normally does, having a good rushing offense.
1: And what did we see against Tampa? We saw the Works Chiefs there. go for 189. It's the third most they'd had, right? And the Bucs go for three? Is count? that how many
0: rushing yards they had? Three? Minus three? Whatever Let's it was. on six attempts. <laughs> I think we
1: crunched those numbers on Sunday's episode.
0: Half a yard, one half of yard per yeah. Gary. You know,
1: this is, I, I think some of that will, some of that's going to buff out. I'll tell you this right now. I'm just going to go ahead and throw out a bold prediction. Atlanta will not remain one of the top 10 offenses in the NFL. Well, the Patterson being hurt
0: probably doesn't help.
1: Come on, dude. It's Marcus Mariota at quarterback. No. <laughs> you think that's sustainable for 17 games? Like, some of this is going to regress a little bit, but I do think there's something to it. The Chiefs spent all offseason and most of last year having to sort of try and adjust to getting the ball out quickly. There's the first thing Mahomes said in the postgame interview on the field with NBC. Thought we had a good game plan. I got the ball out quick. That tells you they knew exactly what Tampa was going to do. They're going to get the ball out quick. They're going to run the ball well. It remains to be seen if the Chiefs are going to be able to run with consistency. That's the one thing that I want to see maybe a few more times before I'm all in on, wow, this team knows how to run the ball now. Because they just simply have not done that consistently really at any point. There was a stretch at the end of last year when Daryl kind of got hot, but I want to see this team with the running backs, not Patrick Mahomes ending the game with 40, 50 yards where he just sort of takes off at the end of a broken play. I want to see this team run the ball with consistency before I'm ready to like fully commit to this team being able to beat these types of defenses.
2: I'm going to bring the podcast full circle here, uh, Nick. Do you ever get that you look like Justin Timberlake?
1: Oh my god, this is not
2: with a the hat person. and the beard. Like I person. can totally see it.
0: He usually gets Lincoln Riley, the head coach of now USC.
2: But I see that too.
0: So about four years
1: ago, I just got a fresh haircut, really nice fade, beard was fade. I mean, everything was really tight. It was like a, a guy I was calling high school football with, uh, He was like 55 years old. And he said, you know, you kind of look like Justin Timberlake. And I said, well, coming from you, no offense. Like, I don't think that's going to carry much weight. <laughs> then... And then about a year ago, someone else said it. I immediately turned to my girlfriend. I was like, hey, so-and-so said I looked like Justin Timberlake. And she was like, okay, well, yeah, whatever. But now three times, when it happens three times, I don't think you can deny it. So henceforth, I will accept any and all comparisons. So thank you, Kayla.
2: You're welcome. I'm actually really good at this game. I I can always figure out who someone looks like. So
0: Wait, who does Cody look like? I don't think I want this answer.
2: Still I still TBD. I'd will have to think about okay. it some more.
0: Okay. We'd like an answer by the next podcast. Okay. What a that'll, that'll homework. What drive. a way,
1: what a cliffhanger to end the episode.
0: Like, subscribe, <laughs> download wherever you get your podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get them. Apple doesn't matter. Spotify, if you're gonna want to find out who Kayla thinks I look like.
2: We will be back with you on Monday for your Monday night football preview. So back with you on Monday. That's going to do it for our Wednesday episode. I'm Kayla Canaram. That is Cody Tapp. He is Nick Schwartz slash Justin Timberlake. And once again, don't forget to like subscribe. This is the it's always game day in Kansas city podcast. We will be back with you on Monday.